listen to that song over and over again. Uh, you know, there are certain things, message and music, and keeping things in perspective. Uh, praise the Lord. Thank you for that special. All right, we are continuing our series uh, on, they call it home. And so uh, tonight, I'm not going to preach a long message. Matter of fact, I don't even have any points tonight. But I've got a, I do have an introduction. All right? And so uh, there's, there's not a lot of points, not any points tonight. Um, but there is some verses to look at. And I want to get across, lay the groundwork for the next message. Uh, and as we look at the home, uh, they call it home. We're going to be looking the next few weeks on the perfect marriage. The perfect marriage. Perfect marriage. And when we think about that, we think, well, that's what everybody wants. Those that are married, when you got married, Brother Joseph right now, he does not have a clue. <laughs> uh, and, and right now, he is, he is preparing for marriage, he and Miss Sarah. And, you know, looking forward to, to marriage, you have all these ideals of what it's going to be like. You never work in any of the struggles. You never dream about schedule problems, financial problems, relational problems, in-law problems, mother-in-law problems. Uh, there, there's things that come with this area of marriage and then children. And we never, we never think about the issues that we are going to deal with. But there are issues. But the world, the world, as in all of our minds, we, we desire or we, we look at having that perfect marriage. Those of us that are married, we want to put off that our marriage is perfect. As in that there's no problems. And our marriage would have zero problems if she wasn't married to me. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there, there, are, there are problems. Why? Because there are people. But in our dreams of what marriage is going to be like, we don't look at issues. Love, romance, marital bliss. Uh, it's what people thought that it was going to be, but is it what we have? And so, uh, a perfect marriage. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. I pray that you'd help our homes. For those that are married, I pray that you would just strengthen uh, their marriage and help them. Uh, for those that uh, have uh, yet to get married and uh, those years are before them, I pray that you would help them uh, to develop a good perspective and, and a proper ideology, a biblical idea of what this relationship is like. And so uh, help us tonight, please, as we uh, look into this area of marriage. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. A perfect marriage. Uh, marriage, according to Webster, uh, 1828, uh, what, I don't know what the new dictionary is going to say. I'm not even going to look. Uh, but marriage, the act of uniting a man and woman for life. Wedlock, 
the legal union of a man and a woman for life. Marriage is a contract, both civil and religious, by which parties engage to live together in mutual affection and fidelity till death shall separate them. That's a pretty good definition of marriage. But when I think about couples in the Bible, I don't see any perfect marriages. So we're going to look. I'm gonna, I've got a list uh, of 20 couples uh, there are no points, uh, but I do have a list of 20 couples uh, and then a few extras. Uh, but when we think about these, uh, these individuals that God has given us to look at within this uh, relationship, these couples, uh, not all of them were married, but, uh, but as, as husband and wife, uh, I think about Adam and Eve. Uh, and this couple, what did they do? Uh, they brought sin into the world. This couple uh, cast all humanity uh, into sin. Uh, they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, a perfect environment, and yet they messed it up. I think about Abraham and Sarah. Uh, Abraham deceived two kings and told them that Sarah was a sister, uh, and uh, Sarah almost was taken uh, and forced into a, uh, uh, an immoral uh, relationship uh, because of uh, Abraham's fear of being killed for her sake. I just, my mind has a hard time working through that. But there were, there were problems in that. I think about Isaac and Rebekah and the turmoil in the house over the preferential treatment of Jacob and Esau. I think about Jacob and Rachel and the turmoil that was in their home over Rachel not being able to have a son. Think about Elimelech and Naomi, uh, the death of a husband and two boys in a, in a heathen land. Uh, there was a lot of uh, this, this one that was pleasant became bitter. Uh, she lost all those blessings that God had originally given to her. Uh, and so you see that, uh, that, that, uh, that hurt that was there. I think about Samson and Delilah, a couple. Uh, Delilah used her charm and beauty and her body to destroy Samson. Uh, I think about uh, Elimelech, I'm sorry, I think about uh, Hosea and Gomer. Hosea, uh, the prophet, was told to marry a prostitute. And then after marriage and having children, she went back out into the world. And then when the world was done with her, God said, take her back. That doesn't sound like a great marriage. It doesn't sound like a close relationship. I think about Moses and Zipporah. Uh, Moses was a Hebrew and Zipporah uh, was an Ethiopian. So uh, in Bible days, they were, they were forbidden to have interracial marriages. And so this was completely outside what was acceptable. Uh, and so uh, this, this, uh, this marriage, it brought all kinds of controversy uh, into Moses' life. He even found himself uh, being uh, talked about because of this. And uh, there was some strife that was there. I think about uh, Ahasuerus and Esther, uh, a forced marriage. Esther was forced into this marriage. 
uh, but it was a marriage that we can see how God still could use that. Nabal and Abigail. Uh, Abigail uh, was a wise woman, and she married a fool. Uh, he was not only a fool, he was a wicked man. And with that, God finally struck Nabal, and he ended up dying. Uh, and then David came and took, uh, took Abigail as one of his wives. And, uh, and so uh, we see that relationship. We think about Elkanah and Hannah. Uh, Hannah was barren uh, and had a vow to God uh, that if, if God would give her a son, that she would give him back to the Lord. Uh, and so there was, there was uh, just hurt there uh, over that uh, for a period of time. Uh, Uriah and Bathsheba and the infidelity and the murder, uh, David and Michael, uh, and uh, this, this relationship, uh, Michael was given to David as a trap. Unbelievable. Just the purpose uh, of that marriage. Uh, Ahab and Jezebel, and you see the wicked king and his wicked wife and how they caused Israel to sin. Uh, Lapidoth and Deborah, and Deborah was the prophetess who judged Israel and was used to deliver God's people uh, from uh, Jabin. And then I think about Heber and Jael. Uh, Jael was married to a man who was a friend of the enemies of God's people, and uh, and uh, King Jabin's general came, Sisera, and came, and uh, she she uh, fed him and gave him uh, gave him the uh, milk and uh, covered him up, and he went to sleep. And she took a tent stake and drove it through his his temples. Think about Joseph and Mary, and the hardship of being with child, and all of the the accusations of infidelity when that was not the case. Think about. Aquila and Priscilla, the associates of the Apostle Paul who, who faced much opposition. They had to flee to Rome, uh, uh, flee Rome uh, uh, for, to flee for their life uh, because of the oppression of Claudius Caesar. Uh, think about Ananias and Sapphira, a couple that was in church, but they were robbing God. They conspired together to rob God. And they were both killed. Think about Zacharias and Elizabeth and how uh, Zacharias lost his ability to speak uh, and uh, with the, the uh, uh, announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. And so 20 couples that I named, and there are more that we could go through, but these are all couples that we would know. But none of them were perfect. None of them were perfect. You say, Pastor, what are you trying to get across? I'm trying to get this idea of a perfect marriage out of your head. Because there's no such thing. Marriage is a wonderful relationship. But there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. You will not find it in the Bible. And we don't find a perfect marriage because there are not perfect people. And so with that, we can have a great marriage. You can have a great marriage. 
But this fairy tale idea of what marriage is supposed to be like, we've got to remove that out of our mind. Because if you have this dream that marriage is going to be this perfect relationship, then every time there's a problem, that your marriage is going to be compared to something that's not realistic. And you look at this, this other uh, marriage that you think it should be, and now all of a sudden you're going to be discontent with the marriage that you have. And we've got to realize that there is no such thing as of a perfect marriage. Uh, so the, ideal, the idealistic uh, view that there is such a thing as a perfect home. There are no perfect homes. They call it home. And we're going to do everything we can to make that home what God would want it to be. But it's not going to be a perfect home. And there, there are not going to be, there's not going to be a perfect marriage. There's not going to be a perfect home. There are not perfect children. There's no perfect children. There's no perfect husband. He's already taken. <laughs> uh, so, no, there's no perfect husband. There's no perfect wife. Uh, there's no perfect marriage. But in, the re in reality, there's no perfect anything but a Savior. There is no perfect institution. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect pastor. There's no perfect uh, anything. There is no perfect job. Think about, think about the jobs that you have had over the years and the careers and how you finally got the job that you wanted. You, you couldn't wait to get that job, and now you, you can't wait to get done with that job. You see, everything in life takes work. It takes work. Your career is going to take work. Your faith is going to take work. Your marriage is going to take work. Your relationships are going to take work. And so there's no such thing as a perfect home, a perfect marriage. There are different levels of good, better, and best. I don't even want to throw bad in there, but the honest truth is there are some situations that are bad, and they need to be changed. But, but here, when we look at it, there isn't something called perfect. So if you're looking for, uh, and if you're comparing to, if you're imagining about having uh, a perfect scenario, uh, there isn't going to be one uh, that has that. So uh, let's go to our Bible. I want you to go back to the first marriage, first relationship, Genesis chapter number uh, 2. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 22. Genesis chapter 2. And verse number 22, let's look at this first couple here uh, that uh, God shows us uh, the first marriage, the first home. Genesis chapter 2, verse 22, the Bible says, And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Uh, I think about that statement there. Uh, you think your husband is not romantic. Think about Adam here. I mean, uh, 
She is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. <laughs> I mean, you can't get more unromantic as uh, that. Uh, so verse 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Uh, look now at verse number, or chapter number 3, uh, verse number 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of, uh, of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Here we have this first couple. And they were married uh, for about ten, eight to ten verses here. Uh, and we find the fall of Satan uh, the, uh, after day six. Uh, and and we, we see uh, the expulsion, the fall of man, and before the expulsion of the garden. Uh, and they, the, these, were, these people were saved uh, uh, and or they were born, they were married before they were expelled out of the garden and before the conception of their first child in Genesis 4.1. So the fall of all mankind take, takes place in a perfect environment. You think about that. They did not have a sin nature. They did not have the pressure of sin around them. There was not the allurements of sinful things that were being blasted their direction over and over again. They didn't have billboards when they were walking down, driving down the street. They did not have uh, advertisements on TV. They did not have notifications on a phone. They did not have uh, anything that was sinful around them a perfect environment, yet this first couple, uh, they, they, they end up uh, getting uh, involved and, and doubting God and following uh, the instruction of Satan and the, the uh, temptations of Satan, and here they sin. So a perfect environment, no sin nature, no sinful allurements of any kind, yet sin takes place. Sin enters into this relationship, and they are kicked out of the garden. They are partakers of a sinful nature, uh, and, and they are cursed. Why? Because even this couple in this perfect environment, they still were selfish. They still wanted something they did not have. And with that, we find the curse. Eve was cursed to be ruled over. She was cursed to have pain in childbearing. 
Adam, the ground was cursed, and he was going to work by the sweat of his brow. And so there was a curse that came along uh, with the condemnation, the condemnation of sin uh, and being cast into that sinful uh, uh, situation where now they were condemned before God. Uh, But both of them lost their ability to live in the Garden of Eden. They lost their ability to have an open communion with God. Uh, They both lost the ability to be in the holy place that God had provided for them. So even this couple had problems. It wasn't a perfect marriage. So let's go back to our text, uh, Ephesians chapter 5. The Bible says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. You know, with this, when we talk about the marriage relationship, the marriage relationship was a mystery that was supposed to identify the exact same thing that Christ was for the church. So the husband was to be to the wife uh, what Christ is to the church. So if Christ is the head of the church, then the husband is to be the head of the wife. If Christ is the savior of the body, then the husband is to be the savior of the wife, the protector of the wife. I wonder where Adam was when Satan was tempting her. I wonder if he was fishing, Brother Aaron. He may have been, maybe he was hunting. No, there was no death at that point. Uh, So they weren't hunting, weren't fishing. Uh, but, But with that, he was to be the one that would protect. And if they were, in fact, together... He did not protect her from the evil one. Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body of the church. In the marriage relationship, the husband is to be everything to the wife that Christ is to the church. And so that protection that should have been there, uh, what what do we find? Uh, We find that Eve was left in a vulnerable spot. Why did Satan attack Eve instead of Adam? So there has never been a perfect marriage. If so, the perfect marriage, it was for about eight or ten verses. And that's about it. So when we look at this, it wasn't a very long time. They didn't have time to have children yet. So we know that it was at least less than nine months. And so uh, we go around in life sometimes with expectations. Expectations set you up for failure. Bible says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick. When we have an unrealized expectation it makes us unfulfilled. It makes us, uh, it, it disappoints us. And so having this idea that marriage is going to be perfect, uh, it is 
It is an unrealistic expectation. And so because we have expectations uh, of perfection, uh, then there, there is going to be frustration and disillusionment. There would be uh, people getting upset and mad and brokenhearted because they just don't think that it should be this way. Problems are a part of life. And with that, that doesn't mean that we have to settle for problems. But we do have to plan on working through them. We have to realize that there are solutions to problems. And the issues that we face and the problems that we, uh, we encounter, uh, they are uh, things that we can grow through and work through. Uh, but if we're not careful, we can have uh, expectations of perfection on our behalf. If we expect that we are going to just always do what's right, uh, there's going to be a failure to that, and there will be a frustration uh, with that uh, on our behalf or on our spouse's behalf or on our children's behalf, on a co-worker's behalf, siblings, parents, employees, employers. Uh, it doesn't matter what the relationship is. There isn't such thing as perfect. And so uh, we can't expect perfection. And if we are not happy uh, with what God has given us, then, then we have to sort of back up. This world has programmed us of what everything should be like. And they put out this perfect image of what everything is supposed to be. And then when life doesn't line up with that, then we try to figure out what we've got to do to change it. That's why... People have uh, the plastic surgeries. Well, I don't like my nose. I don't like my ears. I don't like my lips. I'm going to do Botox. Whatever the scenario is, uh, what, what happens? We, we start feeling like something should be different than what our reality is. At some point as a Christian, we just have to trust that God knew what he was doing. He made us how he has made us. He has made some of, some of you with hair. Some of us are just losing our hair. Some of us have lost our hair. Not completely. Uh, and so there's a few out, out here. Brother Andy, uh, Brother Ron, there we go. Uh, and so, uh, but, you know, however it is in that scenario, uh, you know, we can, we can try to have something different or we can just say, you know what? Lord made me the way he made me. Are we okay with that? Shouldn't we be? Did God make a mistake? Some of you are looking at me with sort of a, I'm not sure, Pastor. The reality is God made us how he made us. Now, I'm not saying that we, we don't make choices and how we live and take care of ourselves or not. We, we all have, we all have different choices, but God has made us the way he has made us. And uh, we, have been, uh, we have been programmed to think that it needs to be a different way. The girls that have straight hair hate straight hair. They want curly hair. The ones that have curly hair, they want straight hair. 
Why, why isn't we can't just be happy with the hair that we have? If it's dark, I want it to be blonde or red or pink or green. <laughs> Miss Savannah. And, you know, what, whatever uh, direction. And, and I'm not saying it's wrong to, to do your hair. All I'm saying is uh, we, we oftentimes in life, we feel like we just have to have something different. And what is it that is giving us those boundaries? What is it that we are comparing to that is making us feel like something needs to be different than what it is? We've been brainwashed by a society that says this is how it is supposed to be, uh, how, how, how we look, how we act. And when we compare ourselves to others uh, and what others have, we find ourselves discontent. So take your Bibles, I want you to go there real quickly, last verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Second Corinthians chapter number 10, look with me at verse number 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves but they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, what are those next three words? Are not wise. Are not wise. That other couple that you think has the perfect marriage, they don't. You ladies, well, so-and-so would never do that. No, you're not married to so-and-so. And it is, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. Comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So, so with that, let's just look at the relationship that we have. Let's look at the marriage that we have. Let's look at what God has given to us. And then let us... Be the person that God would want us to be. I cannot change this lady right down here. I wouldn't if I could. She's perfect. <laughs> uh, but, but the reality is I couldn't change her. And she can't change me. But she can be the person that God wants her to be. And if she is the lady that God wants her to be, then she will be the mom she needs to be. She will be the, husband, the wife that she needs to be. If I am the man that I'm supposed to be, the, the Christian that I'm supposed to be, then I will be the husband that I need to be, the dad that I need to be, the papa that I need to be. Uh, those relationships, uh, they, they, they just filter out. And so with that, we can't look at what somebody else has or what we think somebody else has. We have to look at what God wants me to be and who he wants me to be. And I need to endeavor to be that person that God wants me to be. And when we do that, what we find is our home will be blessed. If we had husbands and wives working at their marriage, working together at the marriage, we see, we see blessings. Brother Hiles used to tell us this. He said, there would never be an argument in a marriage if one of the two 
would be a good Christian. Think about that. If either the husband or the wife, one of the two would be a good Christian, there would not be an argument. Now that's, that's against the grain, isn't it? She's wrong. Well, he's wrong. Well, getting in a fight isn't going to fix the wrong. It's just going to add another wrong. So, the perfect marriage. So this is just part one, just sort of laying the groundwork uh, for that. But with that, I'm not saying you can't have a good marriage. You can. And God wants us to have a good marriage. God wants our homes uh, to be a place of blessing. Uh, but we have to be realistic in our expectations and, and not thinking that there is something better uh, or a perfect environment because there definitely is not one. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Uh, thank you for uh, our people, their faithfulness. Thank you for uh, the attentiveness tonight. And I pray that you would help our homes to be what they uh, need to be. Help uh, our homes to be filled with love and grace and kindness. Help there uh, to be a a Christ-honoring atmosphere within our homes. And uh, so I pray that you'd bless each one. Uh, Help all of us to be the person that you'd want us to be. And so work now. Uh, This invitation, speak to hearts, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We'll have a short invitation. Lord spoke to your heart tonight. You respond. Ooh.